Welcome to Mankato City Stream, a podcast about city happenings. Welcome to Mankato City Stream. I'm your host, Adele Fiedler. Today we're with Mankato City Manager Susan Arts, and we're going to discuss the Water Resource Recovery Facility, aka Wastewater Treatment Plant. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for joining me again on Mankato City Stream. Thanks for the invite. Well, we can go ahead and get started and talk about this really big project. But before we do, um, let's explain what it is. So what is the Water Resource Recovery Facility? So today you're probably going to hear me call it the WRF, the W-R-R-F. Most of the staff of the city, that's our um, abbreviated name. It is a wastewater treatment facility, but it is so much more than just that. This facility does, yes, process sewage uh, process discharge from sinks, toilets, um, washing machines, showers. Uh, people have an image of what wastewater treatment is and they think it is all just um, matter that comes from toilets. But when you really think of all that goes down a drain, dishwashers, sinks, showers, bathtubs, washing machines, uh, car washes, you know, all of those kinds of uh, more, I'll just call it gray water that, you know, has some uh, material in it perhaps, or has, you know, been uh, soiled in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, the wastewater treatment pr- plant provides that um, improvement to that water before it gets discharged into the environment. And in our case, that generally means into the river. Uh, so this, pr- this facility uh, does some processing in addition to just cleaning the water for that discharge. Uh, the simplest That's the simplest terms of what this facility really does. The other things that it does is we separate some of the solids that come out of that facility. We dry them uh, and then they get combined into a uh, biosolids container, so to speak. And then after a period of time of kind of... Uh, really extracting the moisture from them, then we uh, provide them to farmers that get used as fertilizer because of the heavy nutrients that they have and they get reused in uh, another environment as well. Um, We also do a fair amount of elimination of phosphorus from the uh, wastewater, which phosphorus is a, an element that, you know, when you see ponds or lakes that get algae mm-hmm. in them, often it is because they have an increased amount of nutrients, one of which is usually phosphorus. So by removing that, uh, we, we were able to provide a much cleaner water from that discharge that is a necessary part of this process. And because we are able to do such an outstanding job of removing that phosphorus, we have the ability to, we earn credits. And so then we have the ability to use those credits with some other entities who don't have that same level of discharge and are actually putting more phosphorus into, you know, kind of from their facilities. But because they're able to buy our credits, we're able to kind of help across the state with some of that uh, improved processing. Um, you know, so our current facility provides um, treatment space to about 65,000 people. So it's a regional facility. We provide services to North Mankato, Eagle Lake, Madison Lake, Skyline, South Bend Township, and Lake Washington Sanitation District, which is kind of north and east of Mankato. And in all of those areas, those communities don't have their own standalone wastewater facilities. They pump their wastewater to the city of Mankato or pipe it to the city of Mankato. 
it goes to the wharf and then we treat it and handle it just like we would the wastewater from Mankato. So without the wharf being here and serving all those communities, they'd have to either have their own or find some other option for, for treating the wastewater or the gray water that you had mentioned. They would. They would have to have either their own facility or they would have to have some other regional um, asset that they could, you know, process or use that with. Um, and these aren't inexpensive facilities, not only to just maintain on a day-to-day basis, but to construct, maintain for the long run, and then staff. Um, you know, the staff we have that operate these facilities have very specialized training and wastewater operators, um, you know, it's it can be a challenge to find uh, staff that uh, work in that, that have those licenses. So we've been very fortunate with the team that we have at our current facility. And, uh, you know, if you had to do that for each community, there's a, there'd be a lot of demand for um, positions without the availability of people. Okay. To fill the, the yeah. positions. And the facility that we have in Mankato, is about 65 years old or probably even a little more than 65 years old. So to be able to continue to not only serve Mankato community members and these other jurisdictions that you're talking about, I understand there are a number of updates that need to be made to the facility so it's operating efficiently um, and at maximum, you know, its maximum capacity. Yeah, there are a number of things. That, so you're correct. The facility was built in about 1956, so that would make it 66 years old this year. Um, and, you know, the digesters, for example, that we have in the uh, facility, which are the pr- not the only, but they are a, mm. a major piece of the of component in the facility because they are what essentially helps break down the materials that go into the wastewater plant. Uh, they have generally about a 60 year life or six years beyond that useful life. We're starting to see um, some uh, significant uh, challenges with the current facility that we have. Uh, staff are monitoring, uh, you know, kind of the air condition around them. Uh, and it's starting, it, we're at a point where uh, if we don't do some improvements in the very near future, uh, we'll have some more costly repairs that need to be addressed and potentially some hazards that likely get created. At, and those are not because the facility hasn't been cared for. It's not because the facility hasn't been maintained. It's because the facility is aged and there are things in it that are just frankly wearing out. So in addition to the digester, we're also, the improvements that we have are also um, replacing the 1950s disinfection basin that was uh, kind of put in place. And, you know, the standards in 1950 were very different than the standards now in 2022. And so, you know, a major part of some of the improvements are to help meet today's standards. So we've been an, done an excellent job of being able to do the processing and meet the standards that we can and still, as I mentioned earlier, remove the phosphorus, for example. That's where we get some gold stars, frankly, for our processing efforts. Uh, there are other areas where we could do better. Uh, the disinfection basin is one, um, you know, improving the piping uh, that we have. You know, it was based on flows uh, from the 1950s. And so now here in 2022, where we have, as a result of uh, some climate issues, we have um 
extreme weather events that cause, you know, peak flows at certain times. And so, you know, there's a need to create some extra piping to be able to help handle that. The other piece that this facility improvement does is, as I mentioned, we have the biosolids that we kind of put in into a holding container, for example, dry them out, extract the water, and then they get trucked from there to uh, various places to spread those biosolids. And currently we can hold about six months of biosolids in that facility. Well, the challenge we're having in 2022 is finding um, truckers to haul those biosolids. And so what we really think this facility needs is the ability to store the biosolids for up to 18 months so that we can do one or two major applications a year rather than have to try and do them every six months, which is some years that could we might, depending on flow and volume, you could potentially end up having to do it three times depending on how those that six month window falls each each year or how the how the amount and volume um, kind of shift. And last year, for example, we had um, a period of time where we weren't able to find truckers to come and haul the material. Uh, and then other times where when we needed to have it hauled, um, the the receiving end of it, they weren't ready. Um, so by being able to extend that out to a maximum of 18 months, it gives us a lot more flexibility and we can handle it in a much more efficient manner. We also will be adding a one megawatt generator to the facility, and that will help manage some of the energy use at the facility. As you can imagine, we do use a fair amount of energy at the facility and so by adding that generator, it allows us to do what's called peak shaving, which we can then turn off the um, energy consumption and shift generator power when the general public has a greater need during certain periods of the year. The other thing that um, is a fairly significant time uh, piece of this is also adding a liquid waste receiving station. Um, so we do have some of the liquids that we have at the facility that do get trucked away. And so part of this facility does double the size of that liquid processing. And again, what's there was, you know, built many years ago before the volume that we currently have um, was really fully well known. Let's go back to biosolids. And I understand the city takes a certain um, measure and proactiveness in order to determine where those biosolids go. Absolutely. So part of what we do with our biosolids, in addition to making sure we're screening out some of the material and that we're, you know, getting down to just organic material that can um, function in this uh, source for farmers and others that use the material. Um, we do have contracts with certain farmers. Uh, we do work with uh, the MPCA. We work with um, farmers that you know can handle that kind of material. We have specific uh, hauling uh, criteria that we use for kind of managing and navigating that. So it's a lot more formal of a process than just, well, let's just take it over here. Uh, and so we're very fortunate that the partners we've been able to identify to work with in that manner um, not only are able to use it for their own processing, but also we have been good partners to work with on making sure we're handling it from a you know efficient and also environmentally sensitive way. Uh, and you were talking about updates that are needed to the facility and listed a number of items that would help take the facility to where it needs to be today. And I'm sure the flow you had mentioned with... Um, 
increased water flow, you know, climate impacts. And I bet the population has something to do with that, too, because the population from 1950s is probably also much different than what it is today. Absolutely. You know, not only have we grown, but also the fact that we have all these partners. So the communities that we serve, you know, in addition to Mankato growing, our community, the communities we serve also have grown and have plans for future growth. Uh, In addition to that, we're in a conversation with the city of Lake Crystal about needs that they have for their future. They're sorting through, do they improve their current facility? Do they talk to Mankato about connecting and expanding? In the last couple of weeks, they've had uh, some significant conversations with their community about the direction that they feel like they should go. And so we are you know, in, involved in that conversation, we're letting them have that conversation with their public first. And then if they, if they do make the decision to ask if they can connect to the Mankato system, we'll do some engineering study. But if we don't do the improvements we're talking about, we won't have the capacity to help um, add uh, Lake Crystal to our system. Okay. So there's a, there's a value in being able to improve the Mankato system to connect Uh, Lake Crystal to it, because without that, Lake Crystal would have their own 16 to $30 million project to do a similar kind of update to their facilities. So it sounds like if it's possible and the funding is there, it makes sense to work with Lake Crystal, similar to what the city's doing with these other jurisdictions, both from a staffing um, impact, community cost impact, and even environmental impacts. Absolutely. Yeah. And you had mentioned a number of updates. Is there an estimated cost that um, people can expect to see for these updates? Yes. So in the last um, couple of weeks, we've had conversation uh, with our own staff. Uh, a few weeks ago, we opened bids on uh, the improvement project uh, with an estimate originally of about 45 and a half, 45.6 million We uh, opened bids uh, not long ago, and the bids for construction only were $60.5 million. And we had three bids that ranged from about $60.5 to $67.2, I think it was, or three. And so the bids were fairly tight, but they were significantly higher than what our estimates were. So we are in conversation with the consulting team that we've been working with uh, to kind of understand what's causing that. Uh, increase in costs. We are um, working with the um, Public Facilities Authority, which is the primary agency that we work with on financing the improvements. Uh, Originally, we were approved for about a $45 million loan. We have reached out to them to talk to them about these new bids. And if we decide to move forward with these bids, obviously, we need to finance a greater share. Uh, So we talked to them about, is that a possibility that we could finance that greater share. Um, and they have agreed that they would approve us for a larger loan. Um, that larger loan, though, doesn't really address the issue we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to that, we have been working with the, um, our partners at the Minnesota legislature on a what's called a capital bonding request for funds. So that is a request to the state of Minnesota to help offset some of the costs for our improvement. And the reason that we're making that request is is multi-factor. Uh, one, because the communities we serve, most of them, their share of this improvement 
um, is significantly large and larger than, in some cases, larger than potentially their operating budgets. So for them to be able to finance their share without some assistance would be a significant challenge. Um, In addition to that, uh, because we're the service provider for them, uh, we feel it's our responsibility to make that ask that um, as the provider of that service, that these in, these communities wouldn't necessarily each individually be able to go make their ask. So we feel it's our responsibility if there were grants or other funding sources to be the responsible party to go make those asks and try to secure those funds on their behalf. Mankato also benefits, uh, but I view this as really an us project and not just a Mankato project. So, and because we're the, again, because we're the keeper of that, I I feel like it's our responsibility to seek out those funding opportunities for those communities. When will the city know whether or not it's receiving any bonding funds from, from the state? So right now we anticipate that unfortunately we won't know until the legislature finishes their work, which will likely be in that mid to late May. Um, There will be a number of deadlines along the way that um, we will continue to hear about. And, you know, our bill uh, making that request for funding needs to continue to be considered along the way. Uh, So we'll certainly be continuing to monitor progress and or uh, lack of progress as the months go forward here, weeks go forward. And uh, right now we've had a lot of very favorable feedback from the legislators that we've talked to about this improvement. And, you know, some of the big reasons that they find value in this project is the regionalization of its service, the broad range of communities that it serves. As I mentioned earlier, the six communities we serve um, are added to with our phosphorus trading, you know, it goes all the way out to Marshall. So um, Archer Daniels Midland Company in Marshall, Minnesota also receives benefit from the wastewater resource and recovery facility here in Mankato. (laughs) It receives benefit from the wharf. So the city of Granite Falls, the Lower Sioux Indian Community, Walnut Grove, Granite Falls Energy, and then Archer Daniels Midland in Marshall. So we have a number of partners that are just beyond our immediate reach that also benefit by being able to make these improvements financially, um, because absent that, those those individuals, those not here communities and businesses would have the responsibility of improving their systems, which would be very expensive to do uh, to be able to meet the standards for phosphorus discharge, for example. Right. And then those costs would then ultimately fall on the ultimately fall on the taxpayers. I would imagine. Taxpayers and customers. Right. Yeah. And what can happen if the the funding isn't provided? If we look that direction and by chance the city doesn't get funded, will the project still move forward? Can people still? Yeah, it's a hard piece to answer because it's not quite a project where we can, you know, just do a part. You know, we can't just fix the digester. Um, you know, we, it's not a project that is easily able to be broken into pieces because of how all interconnected it is. Um, if you fix that part, well, then it's, you just have a problem over here. So it's not like, um, a house where you can say, well, we'll put the deck on later. Um, it's not quite, or we'll do the roof next year. Uh, it's not quite that, um, simple. So it, it is, our concern is that, as I mentioned at the beginning with the digester age, 
And what we're seeing is kind of some of the outcomes of that. You know, we're seeing the digester is starting to um, leak some of the biogases into the air around it. And if we don't make this improvement here in the near future, uh, that condition is only going to continue to worsen. It's not something that we can fix with caulk. Uh, so we, we have to um, do some of these improvements from a safety perspective and also from a, um, you know, in order to process, because if we fail in some of these areas, the, the outcomes of failure here aren't great. Uh, the risk of failing at a wastewater plant means you have to discharge the material somewhere. So it is possible that the project could go forward without state funding. Um, if it does, it means that all of us will have a much more expensive project and our taxpayers, the rate payers will be dramatically impacted by the um, increase in cost of the project. Even at the $45 million without the $20 million of bonding we were asking for, uh, that also would have been you know, an expensive project without that 20 million. Now that the project has been modified to 60 million or 60 plus, we have modified our bonding request from 20 million to 30 million. We have, as I mentioned, secured the PFA increased loan. And then we're continuing to monitor information coming from the federal government about some of the infrastructure money that they keep talking about. And, uh, you know, if that becomes available, we will be uh, ferociously exploring that opportunity to try and access those funds as well, to try and offset the costs for the taxpayers and the ratepayers for this improvement. So the city is doing whatever it can to um, bring those costs down or not have so much of the burden on the taxpayers, yet get those upgrades and, and improvements made to the facility so it can keep running um, and even running even better once Absolutely. those upgrades are made. Yeah. You know, once we do this work, we'll be able to treat 11 and a quarter million gallons of wastewater per day. And so it's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, right now we're obviously below that amount. And so, you know, by being able to provide that extra, it gives us, you know, it gives us the ability to work for the, you know, the long run. So cities jobs are to operate for the long game, right? So we, we, or play the long game, right? So right. We, our job is to kind of think long-term because these aren't improvements we want to do every 10 years or every 20 years. Um, these are things we only want to do if it truly is supposed to have a 60 year lifespan, we want to get 60, 60 years out of it. And yes, we've gotten 66 out of the current uh, lifespan, but we've also been working on the project design and the funding capability for the last several years as well. So these aren't things that are just projects you can put together in a few months. Right. And the funding has to be planned for, like you said, it has to be uh, slotted, like with the right. community investment plan based on what we can afford per year. Yes. And so since 2017, we've been slowly increasing our wastewater rates so that we can help finance our share of this project. And by being able to do that over a longer period of time, it helps uh, soften the immediate impact of construction costs like this. Is there an idea of when work is expected to move forward or maybe when it, when it just needs to happen? Our hope would be that, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be in a perfect world, we'd be starting later this spring. Uh, I think that we anticipate 
you know, depending on what happens at the legislature, uh, you know, possibly a fall start and then work would likely continue in through 2023 and potentially into 24. It's not a small project. So it would, you know, potentially start later this later this year and then continue itself forward for at least a year and a half. And that's if things move forward right smoothly. Yeah. Right. In a perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what are the next steps? Are there any next steps that, that you can share? Yeah. So, uh, some of the key next steps is we continue to update our partners and let them know what's happening. Uh, we are working to meet with the, uh, consulting firms we've used to kind of help not only design the work, but also create the estimates. So we are kind of having that conversation about, you know, how did we get here? Um, we are continuing to work at the legislature. So that's a, a huge piece of the work right now is uh, engaging legislators, answering questions, providing them information about the importance of this, working with the public facilities authority on securing that loan and, you know, kind of creating the financing plan forward and then working with our own staff on, you know, kind of monitoring current conditions and managing current conditions. So those are some of the key big next steps that we have right now in front of us. Is there anything else about the project that you'd like to share that's important for people to know? Yeah, I think that, you know, from a generally speaking, this facility provides so many good things. Um, it's, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's not just wastewater. So in addition to the wastewater, we have the biosolids that we share in the agricultural community. We have the water that we discharge from the facility. We send to a power plant to do that they use for their cooling system uh, for, before it gets discharged then into the river. And so it, it's having, you know, kind of we're using it to do cooling and other things at our facility. And then from us, it goes to another facility and they reuse that water. We're using the water uh, that gets generated or the, you know, kind of the, the wastewater or the cleaned purified water that comes from the facility. We're using it to irrigate riverfront park. We're using it to sweep streets. We're using it to wash vehicles. Uh, you know, we're using it for um, some bare root tree uh, irrigation, uh, hydro seeding. So we, this facility provides so much more than just wastewater processing, which is why it has the fancy name, Water Resource and Recovery Facility, right? So we're not only reusing it, we're recovering it and using it for other things. Uh, and it's more, it's not just about waste, it's about the water. And so we're very proud. Uh, this facility has received a number of awards over the years for the uh, kind of the work that's been done. Uh, it is something that we're all very proud of. It is a necessary and critical improvement, probably the most important project that we have uh, in our near future right now. Well, thank you for sharing information about Mankato's water resource recovery facility and the important role it plays not only in Mankato, but for others throughout the region. Please make sure to check out information about the WERF on the city's website at MankatoMN.gov. Thanks for joining us on Mankato City Stream. This has been the Mankato City Stream podcast. For more information, visit our website at MankatoMN.gov or Call 311 or 507-387-8600.